This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp. Thanks for watching the live stream. If you're joining us on Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn, YouTube, really, really appreciate it. Looks like we're live on all those channels. If you have any comments, let me know on there or at Trap on Twitter works as well. I'll try to pay attention to them once we get the guest on here. It's a little bit easier to pay attention to comments on all those different networks and, and chime in when it's just me talking. So today we want to talk about Facebook advertising. And as you probably know, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook to begin with. I also got a love-hate relationship with Facebook advertising. Why am I even running ads if they don't drive immediate results? Immediate, today, now. You know what's funny is in the U.S. we just had the election um, and Joe Biden, we're not going to go into down the politics rabbit hole here, but Joe Biden was announced as the winner or called by, um, by all the different mathematicians, I guess, so to speak. And The Onion immediately posted a podcast. The Onion does a podcast now, so check it out. If The Onion is doing it, I don't know why you're not doing a podcast yet, honestly. But The Onion said uh, people are criticizing Joe Biden because he's been announced the new president for six hours, and he hasn't done anything about the COVID pandemic. And sometimes that's how I feel about Facebook ads or anything. Why is it not working, et cetera, et cetera. So you already see uh, the ultimate FB.com um, URL there. Check that out. That's um, Bob Regnerus' book, The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. So instead of me just complaining about Facebook ads and or whatever I want to complain about for the day, I thought I'd bring Bob on the show and he can fill us in. What are we doing wrong? What should we, doing, should we be doing better? Uh, what's a high-performing Facebook ad? And uh, I didn't tell Bob this yet. He's still in the green room. He'll come out here in a second. The answer can never be, it depends. That is my one and only rule on my podcast. There's too many guests, my friends, that say it depends. I know it depends, but let's find good answers and see how we can move forward. Now we got that out of the way. Let's get him on the show here. Bob, how's it going? It's going good. So, all right. This is, we're, 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 we're going to have a little virtual arm wrestling here to see. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I'm confident some of your answers will be, it depends. But, I mean, it's it's kind of the world we're in. But people don't like them because, you know, what do you do with that? I mean, give me an answer. Yeah. Um, so you probably have not, have heard plenty of people who have this love-hate relationship with Facebook, right? I'm not the only person who, right. who feels torn about it. Well, I also have a love-hate relationship. I mean, it's it's how I make my money, uh, number one, teaching people. But I do use it every day. So it's not like I just teach and, and spend other people's money. So I'm spending my own money, and, uh, and I'm coaching a lot of people. So Facebook is interesting, Christoph. Um, it's it's not – see, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I think Facebook is a challenging medium to be successful on. 
because any mature medium. So like if, if you said, oh, I'm, I'm going to jump into television commercials or I'm going to dive headfirst into YouTube advertising or Google advertising, uh, you could say the same thing about those platforms. Um, when there when there is millions and millions and millions of dollars spent every single day, um, you, you're up against the behemoth. So, you know, the people that I deal with are ordinary small business entrepreneurs. Nobody's got million dollar day budgets. I've got some clients that are, you know, trying to get to that at some point. But the idea here is that we need a competitive advantage. The, the idea is how do you be successful at Facebook advertising? Well, it all starts obviously with a good product and a good service. Uh, but more than that, the, the real edge that I think uh, that gives Facebook advertisers a fighting chance with smaller budgets is being better with ad copy and creative. Well, and that's one of my favorite topi- t- topics, actually, ad copy and creative. Of course, that's highly debatable. And there's plenty of problems that come to my mind when you even say that. I mean, the second you said that, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, welcome to approval hell, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got to yeah. get stuff approved. And I don't remember what the, the the Facebook limitations are when it comes to ad copy, but they're not, and maybe fill us in, but I just did some Google ad campaigns the other day. And, you know, the, the, the feedback always is, oh, can we add this and this and this? I'm like, no, literally we can't. There's like right. one character left. Um, so talk about brutal copying. I mean, right. Uh, edit, co- editing, right? <laughs> Well, well, I guess the I guess the good thing then, you know, in terms of Facebook versus Google, we don't have space limitations. Um, number one, you, you can write ads that are fairly lengthy. Um, you, you could write, you know, really, really like you got to scroll two, three pages if you're really good at long form ad copy. The, the challenge with Facebook is essentially this: is we're, we we have two things. Number one, we have to write an ad or create an ad rather that that create that stops the scroll um it gets them to stop moving so there's there's two things we have to get attention and then we have to hook them logically or emotionally to get them to move off the platform so it's not just we have one job to do we have two so as a facebook advertiser one of the things as you're approaching your ads um you know, before you even sit down, I, I think you would probably agree with this, Christoph, is we have to really know our customer. And the more that we know about our customer, essentially what's deep down inside them, the story that they're telling themselves, the more we can enter that conversation, the more success we're going to have on the platform. And so we spend a lot of time doing our own stuff and with our clients and in, in really understanding what what is going on in my customer's head. And, and entering that conversation. And in that way, we don't appear to be that unwelcome guest or that pest in their newsfeed. Uh, they're looking at pictures of family and friends. They're arguing about politics. Um, one of the last things they want is somebody like you and me interrupting their day with another ad. However, if we know our customer and we do a good job of targeting and we do a good job of connecting, we, we are actually going to be welcome in their newsfeed, and we're going to get them to take action. So, I mean, it's because on, on Google, right, I mean, my ad shows up for the people that are searching for something related. Yeah. And in Facebook, I mean, you just show up because you show up for one reason or another because of targeting or maybe uh, remarketing from the website right. through a pixel. Right. Um, so let's talk about what, what is ad, good ad copy, though. And, and I see a, a trend on sponsored posts and not just on Facebook, but also LinkedIn, where people just go on and on and on and on. And and sometimes the statements they make, it's like, 
they're outrageous. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I mean, can I even believe this stuff? But they go on and they, I think what they're trying to do is they try to pull you in. And by the time you get to the bottom, if you read that far, you, maybe you're much more likely to click, I don't know. Um, But, but how do you, what's the anatomy of a, a good ad and good ad copy? Well, I think what we have to do is separate what we would call um, marketing to marketers. Um, if, you, if you're in the business of selling marketing to marketers, you have to you have a big task in front of you. Um, so you need to do things like lawn ad copy and 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 really be effective at types of things. If you're if you're marketing to the consumers in general and you're in a market that's not uber competitive, like marketing or supplements and things like that. You could take a much more casual approach to your ad ad production, and quite simply, it's this: um, we want to, if we're going to use an image in our ad, we need to choose an image that looks natural. Okay, that, that's the first competitive advantage. Don't use um, don't use stock photos. Don't go to iStockphoto or Getty Images and download, you know, a business person holding a briefcase, you know, or an elderly couple enjoying a cup of coffee on the beach. That that's not the way to to approach it. <clears throat> people are people are looking through Facebook. They're 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 meeting or looking at pictures from family and friends. So the the first real creative approach you should take is choose images that are natural, that are colorful, that that look like they would see in the regular newsfeed. And then the advantage is with a Facebook ad, especially on the mobile platform, we have three lines above our above our image. Um, that if if you're going to run a long form ad, uh, all that stuff is not going to show up uh, until they click read more. So what we like to do is we like to use storytelling. Um, we're all wired as humans to kind of just perk up when we hear the words "once upon a time." Now, okay, we don't write ads that say "once upon a time," but what we do is we we tell stories. So one of my favorite ways to kind of gain leverage in a particular market is do storytelling in the third person about one of the customers, one of the uh, patients, um, telling about the transformation they had. So, you know, if you can create a hook in the first three lines of your copy, you're going to get somebody to click that read more. And then if you want to write two, three paragraphs below, you know, have at it. Um, But essentially what you need to do is not belabor the point and try to sell them in the ad. What you're trying to do is you get the attention, you hook them, and then you get them to take the next action. For most people, it's we got to get them off of Facebook to our landing page. So don't spend the whole time trying to sell them inside of the ad. Spend more time trying to get them the action you want them to take. So if it's creating an open hook, telling a story, driving them to your website, continue the story on your website. How, and how do you feel about the the calls to action? I know Facebook changes what they do every once in a while. And, and I know when you were just sick, talking about, uh, you know, people come to your website. I know sometimes that can be hard to get people to click anywhere, right? They're wherever right. they are and they don't want to go anywhere. And then at one point, I think Facebook was testing it because I haven't seen it since. I could only do calls to action to send a message or I could only do calls to action hmm. to, to do something like that. I think they were just testing because okay. I haven't seen it recently. Um, but what are the best calls to action? I mean, should you have them just send you a message or should, do they always have to go to a landing page? And I, I get it. I know why we like landing pages for many reasons, because once you're on my landing page, I got you in my remarketing pool. Now I can remarket to you. Another, I can chase you around the web. I can also report that easier, right? Because if I have all these campaigns, 
and nobody clicks, I mean, it's a reporting nightmare. But is that always the best strategy to get people to come to your landing page or how do you feel about that? No, and, and Facebook knows this. So they've created several placements that allow somebody to stay within the Facebook universe without going to your website. And we could still gain the advantage of all the tracking and everything. So uh, we'd like to use uh, lead lead form ads. Um, you've seen this before. You click, on a, you click on a Facebook ad and it opens up basically a window inside of Facebook itself. Um, those are usually pre-filled out. So, you know, you have your name, your address, your phone number, those types of things already registered, quote unquote, with Facebook. Um, but you can run a lead form ad, have copy just like you do on a landing page. And the form is right below there and it's filled in, pre-filled in with their information. So it makes it much slipperier for somebody to be able to kind of get into your <clears throat> into your CRM. Um, you can connect those leads directly to Infusionsoft, Salesforce, MailChimp, HubSpot, whatever. The second thing you could do is, like you said, um, we're finding success using Messenger. So Facebook Messenger is essentially Facebook's messaging platform. And yeah, one of the calls to action is send a message. Um, so we found, you know, it's not 100%. We don't use like one thing to the detriment of another. Uh, we like to mix all these things together. So a lot, lot of what we do is, is we create conversations. Um, simple chat bots that ask simple questions like, what's your name? You know, where are you from type of thing? And then you can <clears throat> engage in sales conversations with people. And then also Facebook has something called an instant experience. Uh, so you could literally create this entire kind of web interface inside of Facebook with, you know, videos and images. Uh, you can do anything you want in terms of text formatting. So Facebook's giving you like three, at least three ways to, keep them on the Facebook platform without driving them to your landing page. And, you know, I actually, I'm a, I'm a fan of Facebook Messenger, quite frankly, when every once in a while I have a whole, the whole thing going on of, oh, I'll leave Facebook and then, oh, but if you do, then you lose Messenger. And I'm like, well, but I kind of like Messenger. Um, and mm -hmm. then, of course, I still have to run campaigns anyways. Right. So I don't, right. you know, that's one reason why I stick around. But how do you feel about messenger ads? I haven't seen as many lately, but I know when I create a campaign, it asks me, do you want to send this to Instagram? Do you want to send that to messenger? Um, and messenger ads are interesting. I, have, I haven't seen them in a while, but when I do see them, they seem relatively relevant. And I see them because they're right there. Much higher engagement on those types of ads. And they're really perfect for a situation where you need to engage the customer in a conversation. Um, for example, I, I work with a food delivery company uh, out of the Southwest. And one of the best things we did was we shifted from driving them from a ad to a landing page to a Facebook Messenger conversation. So we've created this kind of mini chat bot and you know, we could go in a whole deep discussion about that. But quite simply, it's, you know, hey, you know, what's your name? You know, what zip code do you live in? And, you know, what types of food are you interested in? And we just start a conversation. So really high engagement rates. And those conversations then are handed off to sales reps who then engage that consumer. So we found our engagement rates, you know, that are 50, 60 percent higher than when we fill out a lead form and try to get a hold of them. Um, one of the biggest things if you're in the lead generation kind of space is the the closer you get to following up on a lead after they respond to an ad the better but we found that messenger is a really good way to do that you know they're they're on 
they're starting to chat. And if you could just enter in that chat and, and continue that conversation, you're going to close more sales. And when it comes to chatbots, so we actually had uh, Mark Kylens, I think that's how you pronounce it, VP of Content and Community at Drift. Um, and they mm. came up with the whole new uh, conversational marketing uh, space, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and I like what they're doing. I also like uh, chatbots, but there is still a lot of work to be done. Right. I mean, the, the one yeah. probably the, the worst example that I've seen is when a chatbot says, uh, can you please rephrase that? Or, you know what I mean? Something like right. that. Uh, could you pl- send me an email? And I'll follow up with you. I'm like, that's literally not the point of right. a chatbot. So right. cer- certainly I've set up responses in Facebook Messenger. But at some point, somebody from my team has to respond. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, w- what we like to do with the chatbots, we, we create simple ones. And you ask questions that have kind of a definite answer. Um, you could certainly set up ones where there's like a multiple choice and you could say, you know, are you here for this or this or this? Um, typically, the simpler the chatbot, the better. But you're absolutely right, Christoph. What you want to do is you want to move that conversation to a real human as quickly as possible uh, because somebody's going to eventually get frustrated talking to a machine. We can only trick them for so long, right? Well, as long as they say what I'm looking for, I mean, I don't care talking to a machine. In fact, my daughters are currently under quarantine, right? So they're at home, I'm at home, everybody, nobody has tested positive, but I had the internet company come by, right, next week. So I, I texted them and I said, I need to reschedule due to COVID. And literally, I got a response back and the, and they said, here's some appointments that are open and they're all, they're all two weeks out. Totally oh. automated. But I'm like, so because I said reschedule COVID, right? They gave me right. automatic options. So it's interesting. If it works, I don't mind talking to a machine. But there's so many examples of where it's just a horrible experience. It doesn't work. They don't know what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and, and I speak English fluently, my friends. So it's not <laughs> me picking the wrong words. Um, Bob, tell us about your journey into getting so in, uh, involved and invested in, in Facebook. How did that come about? How yeah. did you pick that path? Well, I kind of rewind back to 1998, and that's when I first kind of branched out into the Internet as, as a business opportunity. Um, I am a programmer by trade, and back in 1998, I developed my first e-commerce website for a client. And that was outstanding. You know, like I achieved something, I could see it in front of me. And uh, the best part was that client was really appreciative of me building the website and said, hey, can you get traffic to my to, to the site now? Um, you know, how do we get people to buy? And it was like, oh, I said, oh, I, I know how to do that. And essentially, I didn't. Uh, but so I went and learned. Um, so I, I got involved in Internet marketing at that point, um, understanding uh paid traffic. So, you know, I got started on uh, goto.com, which became overture.com, which became Yahoo. Um, and then I moved over to Google AdWords uh, and, you know, did that for clients. But then in 2013, um, I really was becoming aware of, of Facebook's ability to start being a viable advertising media. Um, prior to that, they used something called right-hand side ads, which they still have. Uh, but they were terrible in terms of performance, like extremely, extremely low click-throughs, like sub 0.1% click-throughs. So you didn't make any money as an advertiser. 
Um, once they develop sponsored stories, which is essentially what we call a newsfeed ad these days, um, what you're able to do now is create ads that are intermixed with content. And that's when you started to see things really change. So um, I was fortunate to kind of have a little bit of a, uh, a x-ray vision into the future, so to speak. And I really saw this as an opportunity to, you know, help new businesses. Because like you said, Google is really about here. Here's my keyword phrase. Here's the problem I have. And, you know, it's really easy if you're in the type of business that solves problems. But but what if you're selling things that people aren't necessarily searching for? Um, so I found it to be quite invigorating to be able to target people based on demographics, psychographics, um, and being able to craft a message that gets them to respond. So, you know, like most media, when it was immature, um, the traffic was cheap and conversions were easy. Uh, we don't live in those days anymore, but I really got hooked. Um, helped a lot of clients grow and scale a business um, that they would not have been able to do without Facebook. So what's interesting about the that comment, I didn't even, I, I love having guests on like you who say something I didn't think about because I'm, mm. it's about me learning stuff too. I mean, seriously. So Yeah, why not? You, you know, why not? Um, so you were talking about um, when nobody searches for the thing yet or something related, Facebook yeah. ads could do it, but but you still have to have an idea who you're trying to target, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Facebook really started with what's called interest or psychographic type information. And, you know, here's what you and I know about Facebook. They know basically everything about us. They may know more about us than our spouse, right? Um, they know They know all the things we do inside of Facebook. They know the types of pages we follow. They know the types of posts we interact with. When you like a post, when you comment on a post, Facebook knows the type of stuff you're interested in. Um, they also, in fact, look at the type of stuff you spend time on. If you're scrolling and you stop on a particular piece of content, they know that. But here's the other part. Um, the other part, there's something called the Facebook Pixel that's installed on basically every website that matters in the world. What that allows you to do as an advertiser, number one is to track all your ads. You know, every ad platform has a pixel. But what that pixel is doing is actually measuring behavior. So Facebook is able to determine the type of stuff, not only that you engage in on their platform, but what are you buying and engaging in outside the platform? So even if you never engaged, if you never clicked on a Facebook ad, let, let's say, I went to a sporting goods website and I bought a set of golf spikes, okay, which this is a true story. When I logged back into Facebook, I started seeing ads for golfing videos, <laughs> other golfing equipment, right, um, golf courses around me. So just the idea of me buying something golfing related on a site that had the Facebook pixel installed, they know my behavior. So they're like, hey, Bob is in the market for golf supplies, right? And so you're going to start to see that. We kind of we kind of freak out, you know, also when we say, hey, you know, I just went and visited this site and now it's sending me a bunch of ads about this. Um, that's because Facebook's tracking everything. So it's really creepy from a consumer standpoint. And this is part of the love-hate. We don't really like that as consumers. We don't like them tracking all these things about us. But then again, as an advertiser, if we utilize the technology properly in the way it's supposed to be used, it gives us the ability to basically target people we want to target and eliminate and and stop wasting money on targets that we don't. So it is it becomes an advantage for us. So how how quickly 
can we expect results, though? I know, Bob, I, I made that joke earlier about the Onion and yeah. Joe Biden. But there is companies out there, right, that, I mean, if we spend any money, how quickly do we how quickly yeah. do we turn a return and what's the ROI and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Casey Stanton, of course, was on the show. He talked about the cost of a lead and he talked about early on, there's a ramp up period. So whatever that yeah. ramp up period is, it doesn't, you can't count that against anything, right? If you're right. a brand new right. brand or if you have a new product, I mean, you have to get in front of people and that's kind of how it is. But, but how quickly, what's your opinion on that topic? I'm not going to say it depends. Here, here, <laughs> Thank you. Here, here's what I teach in the book. Um, I, I kind of do things backwards. I tend to start at the bottom of funnel. Um, I don't know if other people teach this, but I believe that most businesses can make money on Facebook if they just invested in retargeting. Um, most websites, you know, outside of a startup who's starting brand new, most websites have general organic referral type traffic or they've been investing in another media before they've done Facebook. So the first thing that I teach and the first thing I always set up with my clients is a retargeting campaign. Uh, retargeting is wonderful because it's it's to the point where you spend a dollar, you make 10, you make 20, you make 100. Um, I've got an e-commerce client who's <clears throat> for every dollar he invests, he makes $60 back. Well, the reason is, is because it's bottom of funnel and middle of funnel traffic. Um, this is These are people that are already familiar with his brand. They're shopping his products. And all it takes is some additional communication to move them from, I'm thinking about buying from you to I'm buying from you. Because the reason I start there is cold traffic is the most expensive and hardest thing to convert on the planet in terms of the advertising space. So most of us aren't dealing with unlimited budgets. Um, so what I like to do is I always establish a retargeting base and most people could start making money right away. And I get to test creative. I get to test imagery. I get to test video. I get to test ad copy. Once that works on my warm traffic, then I feel ready to go and move towards cold traffic, okay? So that's one big mistake I see people make is they jump headfirst into cold traffic. They ignore all this activity, right? So here's the other thing too. If, if, if the only thing you do on day one is drive cold traffic, you're, you're getting people to your website. And if you have no retargeting strategy in place, you're going to end up losing that money. And those people are ready to buy from you. They just need to be reminded of that. So I tend to do it backwards. And I found that to be a much better path to cold traffic and really shortening that learning window that um, you were talking about in terms of what it takes to get a campaign kind of mature. Very interesting co comment on cold traffic. Of course, when you when you start with a new brand, uh, everybody is cold because they don't know you yet, right? They don't know what's happening. So the longer right. you're around, certainly the more warmer traffic you can get. And installing a pixel, I mean, it is simple. I mean, it's not that difficult. I could do it. And, not you know, anymore. Not anymore. Um, I mean, you can, especially in WordPress, you can, uh, there's uh, plugins and, and whatnot to do it. So right. pretty pretty simple stuff. So, well, and, and Facebook too, by the way, um, they, they, they keep putting new partners in. So if you use like HubSpot, <laughs> Infusionsoft, Salesforce, yeah. MailChimp, like it's integrated into the platform. So it's a matter of you like establishing your pixel and then choosing the partner and then entering literally an ID or connecting the API. So you're right, Christoph. It's really, really easy these days. 
Not like 10 years ago or eight years ago where I had to file a ticket with the, the web development team. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, to, to add it into the code, which I was not allowed into. So, <laughs> so certainly we have B2C and, you know, I, I mean, I get it for B2C. I sit on my couch. I, I visit some site to look at the latest uh, NFL hat I want to buy. And now they're going to keep serving me that hat in an ad until right. I finally give up and buy it. Or I don't buy it because it's just too ugly. Uh, to buy and we have some of those out there right now nfl shop i'm looking at you make the hats look nice and i'll buy them whether you you send me an ad or not uh, but let's talk about b2b right yeah. so b2b we certainly have i mean everybody is on facebook i get it i'm right. on facebook everybody's on facebook but how does um, facebook advertising translate into b2b specifically and especially uh, I have a lot of listeners, Bob, that talk about they have 10 people on the buying committee, right? So you don't just have to convince me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to buy the one hat, but I also have to convince my wife and my neighbor and blah, blah you know what I mean? Like they have, yeah. there's a bunch of influencers. How, how, how do you use ad, um, Facebook advertising in that scenario? So it's really a twofold strategy, and I go over this in the book. Um, the first thing you really want to do is establish a model, um, have you're going to be at a really big advantage if you already have a list of customers or at least a list of prospects. Most businesses have at least a list of emails in a database like HubSpot or Infusionsoft. Um, the very best thing you could do, number one, is take an export of those customers or an export of your prospect list, put it into Facebook, create a custom audience, and then create a lookalike. A lookalike is essentially a model, all right? Um, in the U.S., what it becomes is here are 2.2 or 2.4 million people that look like the people in this list. Now, obviously, not everybody in that list is going to match, but it's, it's, it's really based on uh, modeling techniques that the direct mails industry has used for decades, the second part of the strategy is you've got this lookalike audience. What I prefer to do is lead with content, okay? Um, there's an article strategy. If you're more of a writer, uh, you can drive people to your blog or an article page and then measure how many people actually uh, consume that. So um, you, you really, it's a little bit more advanced. You wanna use the Google Tag Manager to find out. You just don't want somebody that lands on the page and goes away. What you want is somebody that scrolls down, spends more than a few seconds on that page. So that's, that's for people that like to read. The second uh, would be a video strategy where you put a video in the newsfeed and you wanna measure the amount of people that watch at least 75% of that video. And that video is usually about a minute long. But what we're doing here is we're using content to sift and sort, all right? So it's real cheap to get a visitor to a landing page out of a lookalike audience. I mean, we're seeing, you know, 20, 25 cent clicks still. Um, it's really cheap to get somebody to watch a video. We're talking pennies. But what we're doing is we're not marketing our product or our service to them. We're leading with content to educate them, to let them know our area of expertise, all right, we're building some desire, and then we're using retargeting to reach the people that have engaged in our article or engaged in our video. And so we're, we're basically using kind of cheap traffic to funnel them, and then we're spending, investing more money in retargeting to the people that actually engage with our content. That's the one-two strategy that's worked really well uh, for B2B for us. 
Well, I'm not going to argue with you on this one, Bob. Lead with content. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you had me at hello, so to speak. Um, great overview. Of course, you can check out Bob's book um, at ultimatefb.com. Would highly recommend for you to check that out. Facebook, I don't think it's going away, away anytime soon. <laughs> Would you agree with that? No, I mean, uh, it's going to change. It's going to become more difficult. It's going to become more expensive. So it's really important. <laughs> if you're going to leverage any media, you really need to become an expert at it. Now, what I mean by that is you don't need to know all the ins and outs. But um, whether you're hiring an agency to do your work or there's somebody in-house, I I really encourage like the business owners, um, the, the C-level people, you need to be familiar with what the platform does so that you can have really educated conversations with your experts. Um, you need to know what they're up against and you need to know uh, kind of the landscape. If you are doing it yourself, you really wanna be equipped. You wanna learn the fundamentals that help you compete against people with million dollar a day mm -hmm. budgets. And we talked about some of those things, um, you know, in terms of writing better ad copy, some better targeting. And then, of course, in the book, I go over a lot more. So um, get yourself equipped. I think that's the best advice that I could give. And, and the way you write a better ad copy, of course, test, test, test. I mean, I ran a LinkedIn campaign the other day, didn't have a single click. And the client said, hey, maybe we should think about the, um, the phrasing. And, you know, and I, I totally changed who we were trying to go after with mm -hmm. the ad copy. And all of a sudden, people are clicking because it depends on the network, right? So, but that's how right. you know. That's how you know. It's not your boss that decides whether it's good copy or not. Yes, you do have right. to convince them. But if nobody clicks, guess what? Who cares if the boss liked it? Right. <laughs> well, you know, if you're working with a client or you're working for somebody and they insist, the best way to say it is like, okay, we're going to take your copy yeah. and we're going to take my copy. And, and put, <clears throat> there's no ego. You just essentially go, okay, we're going to see if this works um, and we'll test it one against each other. The market will decide. Well, there's a little bit of ego because I'll be over here doing the uh, swag dance or whatever it's called uh, right. when my ad wins. <laughs> of course. And, right? and we're, we're not putting it on TikTok or anything like that. Uh, Bob, it was great to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights, ultimatefb.com. And anywhere else people you want people to connect with you? Yeah, I mean, my name's simply BobRignaris.com. I've got articles and videos, but um, I'm really proud of the kind of the resources we put together for the book. Um, I've interviewed 10 of the fellow guest authors that are that helped me write this book. Uh, people like Brian Kurtz, Perry Marshall, uh, Ryan Dice, Jeff Walker, um, just really great marketers themselves. Um, Ultimate FB has uh, interviews with them, plus a link to the book. So I would love for people to connect with me there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you sharing your insights. Um, and just a quick preview for tomorrow. We have Charlene Walters on the show on the live stream. So if you have not connected with me, please do on LinkedIn. Um, she'll be on the show talking about the entrepreneurial spirit for women specifically. So every day we're doing a live show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks again to Bob. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.